0: Hello and welcome to Winning Retail. This episode features an interview with Antonia Johnston, CEO of Sign of the Times. For over 45 years, Sign of the Times has been London's premier luxury resale store, which Antonia acquired in 2019. On today's episode, Antonia discusses her journey as an entrepreneur, the complexities of her industry's supply chain, and why fashion must reduce its environmental impact. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is presented by Dell Technologies and Intel. Together,
1: we help you realize digital transformation across retail by driving IT innovation to better engage with today's connected consumer. Learn more at delltechnologies.com retail and intel.com retail.
0: So please enjoy this interview between Antonia Johnston, CEO of Sign of the Times, and your host, Tony Saldana. Hey, hello, and welcome to a new episode of Winning Retail the podcast that's been designed for retail executives like you. We want to help you turn the biggest retail disruptions into the biggest strategic opportunities. My name is Tony Saldana, and today I'm really excited to have Antonia Johnston, a CEO of Sign of the Times. Lots and lots of things to, to go through here. A fascinating backstory from being a student to being an entrepreneur in resale of luxury items there were so many things that we covered, starting with technology. I had no idea of the complexity of the supply chain, because if you think about it, unlike a standard retailer of apparel, where you've got a supplier that produces the same thing over and over again, in the resale world, you got individuals or individual organizations that give you a lot of different products. And then you've got to sort through it, and then the use of technology, not just to Track the products, but this very cool AI based technology that helps authenticate that if this is something that has a label of being a brand name, that it is not a fake product. So, fascinating use of technology as well in the business model. So, you got that, you've got obviously the fact that the industry itself, the industry being luxury resale, is a brilliant sustainability strategy. And we covered that too. And the sheer size and the opportunity in the apparel business, Antonia threw out a statistic that boggled my mind. There's 100 billion pieces of apparel that are manufactured each year, and 60% of them get discarded after a year. So, All in all, I think this was a really interesting conversation with a very successful, very interesting leader in the industry. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the show, Antonia.
1: Tony, absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, the pleasure is all mine, because (laughs) you've had one of these very cool career stories from starting up your own business to merging and now CEO of the sign of the times. So for our listeners, if you wouldn't mind, share with us your fascinating backstory
1: oh thank you yes well it's certainly been a bit of a roller coaster and a really good fun one so my journey actually started when i was at university i was studying economics in bath and at the end of my road there was a dark dingy little shop that i discovered as a student and it resold high street pieces so secondhand top shop which as a student was absolutely fantastic but obviously, being an economics student, I was shopping in there and thinking, why are they choosing to sell secondhand high street pieces when there's so much more value in high-end products? And that sparked my idea that actually, potentially, there would be an interesting market for selling luxury secondhand goods. So, Tony, my story is a little different to your regular people that speak on this show, which is mostly retail, because I'm in resale.
0: Mm-hmm. And...
1: Following on from discovering that shop, I managed to persuade a fantastic lady in London to give me four months' work experience in a shop called Sign of the Times. Sign of the Times was the original resale store in London it's world famous because it's been there for 45 years and they have all of the fashion editors that used to sell there and I couldn't believe my luck when she gave me four months work experience so she taught me the tips of all the trade and following that I begged and borrowed money from family and friends and set up my own resale store and I had two windows in that store and my third window was Facebook because at the time Facebook was growing really quickly and I noticed that we were getting as much trade through the in-store as we were through Facebook so that meant that I could move into a bigger store and we moved and we had a studio, we had storage, we had office space and we were growing online really quickly. And following a couple of years there, I thought, oh, I feel like we could do even better if only we had (laughs) more customers and a bigger business. So I actually picked up the phone to the wonderful lady that gave me work experience. And I said to her, would you be interested at all in me acquiring your business? And it worked out really perfectly. She was actually interested in selling the business to me. So I bought that business from her and I merged the two businesses together And that was in 2019. And since then, we've implemented a fantastic management team. And we've seen last year, it was 150% growth online. So it's been a really fantastic, exciting journey so far for me.
0: Oh, it is absolutely incredible. The business model, I suspect, is what is unique and what makes your organization stand out. So it's going to be really fun because, yes, now you're CEO of the iconic sign of the times, In the times of a pandemic, give us a sense of what does the average day look like for you? I mean, are you physically in the store for part of the time? What happens?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the thing that just keeps me so in love with what I do, and I'm lucky that I really am, is that there is no average day because (laughs) every day is different. (laughs) And I'd say usually it's about a 12 or 13 hour day. So I'm up super early. I always try and break around 7.30am to have a yoga class just to have some zen in my day. And other than that, I split my time, I guess, between having meetings internally. So I meet with the heads of department and discuss how their performance has been for the previous week, the previous month, and then we forecast moving forwards. We set the short term and long term strategy for the business. We usually do, we're marketing pretty hard at the moment so we've always got different promotions on so it's making sure they're lining up and lining up across the business and then we are also raising money at the moment so I'm doing a lot of external meetings with potential investors and I'm also in charge of finding new business so one of the really exciting things at the moment in the resale industry is something called RAS (laughs) and I love an acronym but it's resale as a service so I'm constantly trying to meet up with different brands and offer our store as a resale as a service model to them. And then, of course, I'm in-store. I love in-store. I love meeting our customers and checking in with our staff. And I don't get much work done on those days, but it's one of my favorite days. So I always make sure I'm in-store at least once a week.
0: Oh, that's fabulous. You mentioned that you're looking for investors, which I suspect is part of your growth strategy. So what are you hoping to do? Additional stores go outside the UK? What are you planning to do?
1: Sure. Well, we are actually mainly looking to raise for marketing purposes. And yes, absolutely. We need we need more physical space. Yes. to enable our e growth so e-com is growing incredibly quickly we will absolutely use some of the money to improve our current store i'm really into having a really experiential in-store moment for our customers and i'd love to refresh what we've already got and then also for hiring as well so we want to take our development in-house and we've got a few other hires that we want to make as well so yeah we've got quite a lot that we we'd like to do all at the same time hence the need for investment
0: Oh, I, I, I am sure. You know, given your trajectory of growth, you're going to have no problem attracting investors. So, all the okay, best to I'll leave to you my there. email
1: below. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs>
0: the other thing that really interested me was the fact that you may have stumbled early on upon something that's becoming very, very relevant in today's times, which is resale, especially luxury resale. People are getting more and more aware of sustainability and the need to reduce overconsumption. Is this something that you've had at the back of your mind through the years? Is this the right idea at the right time? Talk to us a little more about that.
1: Yeah, sure. So I think you're absolutely right. Sustainability now is such a hot topic. I think COP twenty six, COVID, it's always making us as humans rethink our footprint on the planet. Back when I first started, I have to be totally honest and say that was not at the heart of why I started what I'm doing. But I am incredibly lucky that actually our business is an entirely sustainable business there's nothing more sustainable than buying something that's already been produced rather than contributing to new production and it's something that as a business we're constantly striving to improve so we're offering delivery by bicycle we're completely paperless we're constantly reviewing our packaging and we are absolutely now it is at the forefront of our minds and we're very very conscious of it.
0: Oh, that's absolutely fabulous. It doesn't really matter how you stumbled upon an important idea. It's what you do with it that's important. And I'm glad to hear of all of your interventions there. That's fabulous. And you've mentioned technology a few times. We like to understand how and where technology plays a role. One area where it plays a role is obvious, which is online retail. But in addition to the obvious, what kind of role has technology played in the growth of your Businesses, both sign of the times as well as your previous business.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I think to give you a couple of use cases, that yes, you're right, a lot of it is to do with our online. We are a growth business, and at the moment, we don't have a big budget for having tech for tech's sake. We can't afford huge screens in our store, and we really use technology to solve a purpose rather than just to have it. So, a couple of things that we're using at the moment is an integration in the back end of our website, which has enabled us to open our website to other businesses that can actually now sell on our store, which has been really exciting because it means that we can find product now from all over the world to give our customers access to that. And then for our buying customers, we are working with real-time and real-price shipping integrations. So I mentioned before delivery by bicycle. Well, unfortunately, at the moment, that's a set price and people are paying the same price for a bicycle as they are for a motorbike and what we want to do is make that price sensitive so that the customer has complete control over their shipping decisions and that we can offer really sustainable shipping options for them at checkout so we're we're using technology in as many places as we we can to improve our, our processes for our customers as much as we can.
0: There's nothing like giving the choice eventually to the uh, consumer, the, the customer, the shopper. And some of those ideas are fabulous. Now, could you also help us walk into the operations of your business a little bit? So you've got merchandise that comes in because you're in the resale business, and then you have to authenticate it. So how does that work? And is there a role for technology there?
1: So back in the day, of course, that was all done by hand and by eye. But now, of course, fakers are getting more advanced in the way that they produce things. And it's getting harder and harder to determine what is fake and what is real just by eye. So. We've got a fantastic device that we use which is actually a machine learning device and it was first created to discern authentic art from fake art. And they've now started using it for authenticating designer goods. So what happens is we take photos at the microscopic level and those photos are compared to thousands of others in their database and by machine learning that is constantly improving the device we use has over a 99% accuracy rate which gives oh, us wow. yeah it's fantastic it's really important for us it's really important for our customers to have complete confidence when they're shopping with us especially if you're selling a handbag for 8,000 pounds or, or whatever you you need to be a hundred percent sure that what you're selling is authentic so yes we rely very heavily on that.
0: Part of the challenge you also have is volume of the products, isn't it? This is a fairly complicated supply chain in the sense that you've got different supplies, different areas of supply, and then the lots aren't the kind of lots that you would expect if you were buying only shirts of a specific design from one supplier, because I suspect you're going to get mixed lots. And then you got to sort through all of that and authenticate it and then basically pretty it up for sale and then put it up there. So, How does that operation work?
1: Yes, Tony, you've hit the nail on the head. It is a very complex operation. And actually, I think that's why you often see retail working alongside resale rather than handling their own resale, because it is incredibly complex. And whilst on the surface, they might look quite similar behind the scenes, they are incredibly different. So you're very right. We have many suppliers selling many items and one of each item. Whereas regular retail, you might have a few suppliers and you would sell one item, many times. Mm. So we use a very complex stock system which enables us to sell items in that way and we sell a single item across multiple locations and that's multiple physical and online locations. Of course we also have the added pressure that the items belong in general to third parties, so individual people, and we can't have a single slip up in terms of loss or damaged. So it's a very complex and very carefully thought through supply chain.
0: Well, especially given the context of the products that you're selling, you're selling luxury goods. So these have tremendous value as well. Now, I'm going to stay with technology for Mm -hmm. a, a few more minutes. So as you think about the potential role of technology going forward for your business or similar business models such as yours, what are you most excited by?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can talk certainly to our business and I've got a huge roadmap for my technology, (laughs) which um, if I was to price up would be very expensive. But I'm really excited to start implementing as much as I can as soon as I can. But certainly for us at the moment, pricing automation is something I'm really excited about at the moment within our business it's a very human process Mm. and actually we have years of data on what price items were sold at and really I think our staff should be involved in a lot more exciting projects than pricing a lot of goods and also it would improve our sell-through rate if we got the pricing right exactly each time so I think there's a huge capacity for improvement on our automation of our pricing and then I think also personalization I think everyone says personalization but for resale it's so important because there's nothing more demoralizing for a second-hand shopper to see just one item in one size they like it and there's you know but that's it they leave the site uh-huh. they don't come back in yeah. a regular store you go in and and you see an item you like chances are it's in your size as well but We really need to work on letting our customers know when the piece they've been looking for has landed on the site so that they don't become disheartened and stop coming back if they don't find items in their size. So something we're working on at the moment is notifications for wishlist items for sizing and for brands.
0: Oh, that's going to dramatically change the way we think of luxury resale because in many cases, resale shops have been a little bit of a treasure hunt. You go in there or you go online and you get what you get. And some days you're lucky and some days you're not. But you're transforming that, especially if I need something in a medium size and it's not available today, but I would be willing to wait and get a good deal.
1: Yes, exactly. If that comes
0: through in a few days. So that's that's starting to reinvent the whole, I guess, the equity and and the experience of resale shopping.
1: For sure. I think the customer has become a lot more discerning. They've become used to shopping new. And as resale businesses, we need to step up to the plate. If we want to compete with potentially other retailers, we need to be able to offer that same experience. And that's something I'm very passionate about.
0: Very nice. <laughs> so this is a fascinating business. I don't mean just sign of the times, but which it is, of course. But then also this industry of luxury resale. Where do you think that is going? I mean, uh, given the convergence of sustainability and obviously there's always price consciousness and fashion continues to become more and more important, where do you think that particular industry is going?
1: Well, I think the fashion industry as a whole has quite a long way to go from where we are today. I think certainly the consumer has been educated a lot over the last couple of years, potentially to things that we weren't always Aware of. So I think firstly, I hope we're moving towards fair wages. Hopefully, we're working towards fair working conditions and hopefully, we're working towards more mindful production and end of life processes. I've got a little stat for you, Tony, but a hundred billion items are produced yearly that's 14 for each human on the planet and 60 percent of those will be discarded within one year oh my god yeah it's it's quite a big issue and i think fashion really needs to lighten its footprint on the planet so i do hope there's and I think there already is. We've seen that there's a, a movement towards resale, a movement towards reuse and repair. And resale in itself is due to be bigger than fast fashion by 2030. And I think big brands are really starting to pay attention. So you see collaborations with, say, Gucci and the Real Real, Ralph Lauren, Depop, Reformation, Thread Up. Stella McCartney in The Real Real, they're really stepping up and getting involved and owning their part of resale. And I can see that that happening more and more. So I think either big brands will take on their own resale or they'll do RAS, so resale as a service and partner with specialists who can handle that more complex supply chain.
0: You just threw in something there that floored me. You said by 2030, resale is going to be bigger than fast fashion. Yeah. I'm really glad to hear that, of course. From a consumer and from a sustainability standpoint, I mean, I, I think that statistic of 60% of all of the products manufactured in fashion essentially being discarded or being made available for reuse, hopefully, that's a huge number. I read recently about a almost like a clothes dump. I think this was in Chile on one of the beaches there where there's been a lot of acquisition of old clothing, T-shirts, and so on and so forth. And for many manufacturers not knowing what they need to do, they, they just send it to another location and it probably doesn't get sorted and sold quite in the same way that you do yours. So it seems to me like there is a huge opportunity to not just avoid waste, but also avoid things like this unintended landfill of clothing
1: yeah absolutely and actually quite a lot of the products are produced in materials that don't decompose so if they do end up in landfill that's that's them in landfill they might never decompose <laughs> so we really need to be more thoughtful about the materials that we use what we choose to buy and how we choose to discard items at the end of their life and be really mindful about shopping for investment shopping for pieces that you are going to really love and treasure for years and years and make making sure we invest. And at the end of their life, they can then be sold on rather than just thrown away.
0: Exactly. Now, for SOTT, how do you plan to continue the trend on sustainability? What's some of the ideas that you have that you'd love to come to fruition
1: Well, I think we're very lucky in that sustainability is really at the heart of our business. There is nothing more sustainable than buying something that's already been produced. I would absolutely love to work with other brands. And we've got some really exciting things in the pipeline to enable regular retail to be able to enter into the resale market. And that really excites me because you can see brands testing it. And obviously, I'm a fan of resale. And so to be able to encourage any any other brands to try that for their business, I would be really keen to do. So that's something that's really exciting for me.
0: And and the fact that you're starting to offer resale as a service, by the way, I love that term coming from the technology <laughs> space. I know, uh, stole it. <laughs> yes, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. And that's exactly what it is that's a service that you're going to offer a lot of manufacturers and other brands. But the fact that that itself is a sustainable business model, and then you can offer that as a service for other organizations to become sustainable, that is such a nice thing to hear. Now, the next question is going to sound a little strange because these are all, in many ways, trying times for everybody in the midst of the pandemic where nothing's quite the same. So you've got a iconic, but a physical retail shop. And of course, a business model, which also allows you to do some things electronically. But I suspect it's changed about the time that you started to take on the role of CEO. And then of course, the 150% growth that you mentioned on online sales and your desire to grow and invest and find investors. So this is a challenge. But the question that I have is, of all of these challenges that you (laughs) face in the past years, what's been some of the most daunting for you?
1: Tony, you're making me feel (laughs) quite exhausted with that list. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, you know what, I think I am really lucky. I love, I really love problem solving. And Uh certainly in the business as the size it is today the fact we are growing really quickly every day i am problem solving and so i'm lucky that i enjoy it and i think the challenge is as you say narrowing down which challenge is the biggest one that we face okay. today is actually quite hard because we face quite a few but nothing un- unsurmountable i would say probably going back to our supply chain the fact that we have mm-hmm. a single sku and we have multiple locations so we have a store we have a studio we have a marketing studio we have warehousing and finding single skews if marketing want to shoot a single skew it has to travel to multiple locations and we oh. really need to rethink our physical space and our physical setup and of course finding a decent physical space at a cost that we can afford in london is incredibly difficult so for me physical space and our single skew logistics are probably the biggest problem that i'm trying to solve today
0: Hey, Antonia, it's, it's been a real pleasure to get into the the professional Antonia, but we're at the point here in the show where we want to get to know a little bit the personal Antonia. It's just a, a bunch of rapid fire questions. Are you willing to play along?
1: Yeah, sounds great.
0: Awesome. Well, what's the best thing you bought recently?
1: Oh, okay. Do you know what? Even though I own a fashion business, I actually don't have time to shop and people won't believe that. But <laughs> <laughs> I did I did treat myself to a Max Mara coat last year, which of course is timeless and classic and I'll wear it forever. So I'm very happy with that.
0: When it comes to retailing as an industry, there's so many trends, personalization, automation, so on and so forth, sustainability. What's your favorite trend?
1: Oh, wow. Gosh, I think automation <laughs> just because for me that it's such a time saver and it means that i can have my incredible staff doing things that they're much more equipped to do and that they enjoy more rather than doing kind of monotonous tasks that i'd rather have a machine doing
0: uh, makes my old heart glad to hear that as a technologist <laughs> <laughs> your most memorable customer experience this year
1: Ah, uh, honestly we absolutely love our customers Of course, our customers are our suppliers. We just live to serve them, you know? So I think probably the most memorable one was we hosted a party for about 100 top clients after lockdown. And it was in a private members club in the centre of London called The Ivy. And everyone was dressed up. There was cocktails and it was an opportunity for us as a business to say thank you to all of our incredible clients who really supported us during lockdown. I didn't realize quite what an incredible community we had, and they went out of their way to look after us. So for me, that was
0: just the most treasured memory. What's the most fun app on your phone right now?
1: Oh, gosh so i've just downloaded i don't know how fun it is so far but coinbase um (laughs) yeah i've lost i've actually lost a lot of money so far so it's a bit of a sore subject but i think it could be i could think it could be quite fun in the future
0: (laughs) hey you never know you might be on to a new business model out there combining crypto and fashion resale there you go all right now you work with many many brands and this is going to be a tough question but if you were to be sponsored by one brand, what would it be and why?
1: Oh, do you know what, Tony? I think this is quite an easy one for me, actually. It's, okay. She's a she's a female founder that I've always looked up to, Julie Wainwright, who is the founder of The Real Real. So they have an incredible business. They launched to IPO in eight years. And of course, they're a billion dollar business in the US doing what we do. So Yeah, if they were to sponsor us, I'd be very happy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, that's part of what we'd hope to do out here. That's very nice to hear. And Antonia, thank you very much for sharing a little bit about yourself personally. But I wouldn't be fair to our listeners if I didn't tap into some of your input and advice for them. So as we draw to a close, what piece of advice would you have to anybody that's at the start of the journey in their career?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Certainly for me, being I guess an entrepreneur, I always surround myself with other entrepreneurs who have been there and done it for many, many years and just ask them so many questions and learn from their mistakes and surround myself with people that have more experience than myself and try and be as humble as possible because of course we're making mistakes all the time and it's so important to learn from them and change. So yeah, that would probably be (laughs) my advice
0: Oh, that's great advice. A combination of humility, networking, obviously combined with your learning ability. That's really what makes you so special, Antonia. For all of our listeners there who'd like to learn more about either yourself or your store, how can they reach you?
1: Sure, I think probably the best thing to do would be just to give us a quick follow on Instagram. And we are at sign underscore of the times.
0: That's easy enough. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interested parties and look forward to having them provide a little bit of a bump as well. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. And thanks once again also to all of our listeners out there. Make sure you subscribe at www.winningretailpodcast.com. And until next time, keep reinventing retail.
1: Thank you again for listening to Winning Retail. To find more episodes and subscribe to our newsletter, go to winningretailpodcast.com.